Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri, and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Well, church, it is a joy to get to introduce you today to Sean Avery to finish out our series called Scars, Learning to Navigate Pain and Suffering in Our Life. To Sean, of course, oversees our Fusion Student Ministries. I've come to admire him very deeply as a man of God, a brother in Christ. Though he's a young man, he has maturity and understanding beyond his years, and it's the kind of understanding you get through navigating some real pain and real suffering in life. And so Tashan today is coming to tell his story of what God has done in him and through him through some very, very difficult, painful times and seasons of his life. Would you give it up right now for Tashan Avery? Well, good morning, church family. Pastor Phil, thank you so much for that introduction. It is an honor to follow you, to be under your leadership. And man, I know you uh, couldn't be here today, but I'm excited to go ahead and say the thing that I know you would have said, congratulations on KU going 5-0. Yeah. I know I got you covered. Got it. Um, church. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of God this morning. Uh, as we get going this morning, I want just us to get comfortable with one another. So everybody take a deep breath. That was more for me than you, but let me just tell you right away. I want to introduce you to my family as we get going. This is my wife right here. We've been married for six years, going on seven years. And this is my oldest son down here in the corner. His name's Kyron. I've got my princess, Kobe Quinn, on my shoulders. And yes, that is her personality. She's a goofball, and she is awesome and so much fun. This down here is J.C. Ruth. She is 10 weeks old. And we're praying for J.C. that that rest and Baptist face gets sanctified in Jesus' name. <laughs> She's young. She'll grow out of it. But um, I'm excited to be here with you, church. Um, hey, I don't need this, but I'm just going to go ahead and ask permission so we're on the same page this morning. Do y'all mind if I preach to you the way the Lord gives it to me? Do you mind if, he, if I preach to you the way the Lord gives it to me? So here's the deal. I told you we're going to get comfortable this morning. So I'm going to give it to you the way the Lord gives it to me. So here's the reality. Before we get into the word, I just want us to get on the same page about who we're talking about. Because I'm believing this, that God is going to step into some of our brokenness, some of our loss, some of the suffering that we're in the midst of right now. Church, but I know this to be true, that if Christ never does anything else, he's already done enough. He has already done us up. If you are just glad that he woke you up this morning, that he got you out of your bed, come on, somebody, oh, magnify the Lord with me. He's already done enough. He's already done enough. Church, this is the perspective that we have to take when we approach the Word of God, that he is faithful. This is not the perspective that I had when I was 10 years old. Since I was 10 years old, I remember getting a haircut and as I was getting a haircut, my mother rushes into the barber shop and she's like, hey, we got to go. So she grabs my brother and I, she gets us in the car and, and we begin to drive home. And when we got home, she gets out of the car, goes up the stairs. I sit on my fireplace. My brother sits on our couch and we anxiously await the news of what my mother was so anxious to get out of the barbershop to tell us. 
And so as we were sitting and we were waiting, I remember they come down the stairs, my mother and father, and they share with us some news. They said, hey, boys, we've got something to share with you. I was 10 years old. They said, you're going to have a lot of questions. This isn't going to make sense. But we're going to do what we've always done after we share. And that is we're going to petition the Lord for change. It was at that time that they shared that my father had gotten a cancer diagnosis, that he had two weeks left to live. As you can imagine, I, I couldn't understand, and I'm sitting here wondering and thinking so many things, what life would be life, what's next? And, and I begin to feel this rush of emotions, and they say, hey, boys, listen, listen. We're going to do what we've always done. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And that's exactly what we did. Church, I wish I could tell you this morning that we prayed, we petitioned the Lord for my father's body, that God would heal him. But that's not what happened. A year later, and yes, we're thankful for the year that we got with my father. But a year later, I was sleeping. It was a rough night sleep. My brother comes running in my room, busts open the door, says, he's gone, he's gone. And then I wake up, get out of bed, roll out and go around the corner. And there I see my father lying lifeless on the floor. And my brother and I, we began to yell at our dad, wake up, wake up. Dad, you got to get up. You got to get up. You got to wake up. You can't go. You got to get up. But he didn't. He had passed away. I was in shock. I was so angry at God. I was 11 years old. I'm like, you took, you took my father? He was a pastor. I mean, he's the one who, who's preaching the gospel that you call us to preach, and yet you want to take him from us? How dare you? That's wrong. And since then, I've read the Bible, and I've come to a new understanding of Christ. But something that I had to learn then that I want to share with you now is this. Don't let your theology of the character of God be built off the floor of your situation. That we cannot gather our understanding of God based off of the ups and downs of life. Because I know to be true, and you know this as well, that life is full of ups and downs, more than an elevator and a sky rise. That life's always changing and we cannot build our understanding of God off of those situations, no matter what floor you're on. If you were here week one of our SCAR series, you heard from Debbie. Debbie shared for the first part of her life that she would have characterized God as faithful, that he's provider, that he's the one that was seeing her through, that she got the chance to see God do incredible ministry in her life and use her to do incredible ministry. But then tragedy hit. See, I didn't have a story like Debbie's. I was adopted at a young age, and it was from that part at a young age that I also learned that my father who adopted me is now about to pass away. So I felt like life had given me this deck of cards that was just unfair, that was wrong. But we cannot let our understanding of God be built off of whatever floor we're at. I love something that Debbie shared. She shared this, that scars reveal, that scars tell the story of survival. I want to add to it, that scars reveal the reality of our Savior, that our scars reveal the reality of our Savior. I remember being at my father's funeral. And at his funeral, I remember going out to my car to put my jacket in the car and 
this guy, he approaches me. He says, hey, little man, come here. I want to talk to you. I said, okay. He says, hey, listen, you're going to hear a lot of things today. But I never want you to forget this, that you're going to see your dad again. And it was from that point, church, that I really began to understand hope for the first time. See, he left me with hope, and hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. So we need to look at what he says so that we can know how to respond. I love what Pastor Phil said last week, that, when we, that the enemy wants us to focus on what we see, but Christ wants us to focus on what he has said. And when we focus on what Christ has said, we will know how to respond in the midst of navigating suffering and loss in this world. See, Jesus in John chapter 16, he sets the table for us as he is sitting around the table with his disciples. And he's letting them know something that my father had let me know. And so often we read the story of the Last Supper and we miss the emotional intensity of the moment. It was like when my dad set me down and told my brother and I that he was terminally ill. This is on par with Jesus who is looking at his disciples saying, hey, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. And that's where we pick up in John 16, Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Notice how Jesus says in me. He doesn't say in the positive outcome of your situation. He doesn't say in the negative outcome of your situation that peace is not found in our circumstances, that peace is found in our Christ. Amen. So let me ask you this question. Do you have a Savior whose name is peace? See, church, here's the reality about peace, that peace is not the resolve of our situation, but in the reality of our Savior. Do you have a savior whose name is peace? Let me help you check this morning. See, every God, little G, has a birthday. Every God, little G, has a death day. But only our God, capital G, has a resurrection day. And it is at his name that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That's how you know if you got a real savior this morning. Do you know Jesus? He can give you the peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of a chaotic situation. Because some of us come into this place this morning and we're in some tragic, we're experiencing some tragic loss. We're in some tribulation and trials. And the reality is that you may not get to experience peace on this side of heaven in your situation. You may not get to experience peace, but that doesn't mean you can't have it because our Christ is peace. Shortly before I went to college, my mother and I, we had this conversation when I was sitting on her stairs. And she said, hey, you know what, Tashawn, every time you come around your friends or your family, I gotta be honest with you. It feels like there's a dark cloud that follows. 17, I'm a teenager. I looked at my mom, I said, mama, is that a black joke? Really? <laughs> a dark cloud, we both black. She said, no, baby, I'm not talking about you being black. I'm talking about your behavior. You're mean. I'm sitting there like, yeah, I'm mean. Okay, I'm mad. She said, well, what's going on? What's going on in your heart? And I begin to share my frustration with her. Okay, you want to know what's going on, mom? Let me tell you. Ever since I was in middle school, 
I would show up to school and I would hear other students talk about how awesome their dad was, that their dad is this and their dad is that. And then it crossed into high school where I hear about all the dads and their dad's this and their dad's so strong. And I don't have a dad, I'm angry. She said, yeah, I understand. I get that. She said, but let me ask you a question. Did you feel like your dad was a good dad? Yes, he was a great dad. She said, do you feel like your father loved you? I said, absolutely. He loved me so well. She said, well, he used to eat out of trash cans. He didn't know his father, but yet he found Jesus. What's your excuse? I don't really have one. So she challenged me to do what he did, which was to find Jesus. And that's when I began to live for Christ. I felt this fire in my life had reignited. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going all in on my faith, but I still had yet to master this concept right here. Don't let your theology of the character of God be built on the floor of your situation. Because now at this point in my life, I felt like my situation was getting better. I'm going to college. I'm doing missions trips. I'm seeing the faithfulness of God. I'm baptizing people. I'm seeing people come to faith in Jesus. And I'm like, wow, he is good. And then I met this girl. Her name was Corey Quinn. Beautiful girl. And before we began to date, Corey shared that she had been a seven-time cancer survivor. I'm like, you know what? You're a little fighter. I like that. We began the date one night down the road, and that's when the situation changed. See, there was a skate night in the campus ministry that I was involved with. And Corey says, hey, you know, I'm not feeling well tonight. Tisha, I want you to go ahead and go to the skate night. I'm like, Corey, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't want to leave you here. I'll just stay here. You know, the skate night, they'll, they'll come and go. There'll be more. And she's like, no, 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 no. You go. I'll stay. It's all good. I'm like, Corey, I don't want to go. And she's like, Tashawn, it's going to be okay. Trust me, go. So I went. I went to the skate night. And that night... Her situation progressed more and more, quicker than she had imagined. She actually had to be rushed to the hospital. And at the hospital, she was lifelighted back to her home in Excelsior Springs. I remember thinking to myself, no way. God, we've gone down this road before. No, 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 we're not going back here. We've come from that place. No, 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 you're going to heal her body as you've done before. You're faithful. You're good. You got this. So I drove up to see her and I walk in the door and I looked at her and I just knew this was different. See, I had been here before. I had seen this before, but it didn't stop me from doing what I knew I was to do, which was, hey, I'm going to pray that God heals her body. I'm going to sing her some songs and we're going to get through this. But shortly before I left her house, her parents pulled me to the side and said, hey, Tashawn, this isn't good. It's more aggressive. I left her house that day, and she passed two days later. What do you do? You go back to the word. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Some of your versions say, be of good comfort. And I'm pausing right there and I'm asking myself, how? 
How can I be of good cheer? How can I have comfort when I don't feel comforted? How can I be of good cheer? How can I be of good comfort when things that are happening in life don't feel like God wants to comfort me? It doesn't make me feel like he is for me. As a matter of fact, I feel like he's against me. So how do we press on? I'll tell you how. Church, we've got to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. So let me ask you this question. When you're like going through suffering and loss, when you're trying to navigate this, what is it that you recall to your mind when you are in a season of suffering and loss? There's a book in our Bible in the Old Testament called Lamentations. I love the book of Lamentations. This book really ministered to me when I was suffering. See, to lament is to be honest about our pain, but get into a place of hope in the midst of our pain. One of the things that I love about the Bible is that it's not pretending that life isn't hard. I'm telling you, you want to trust the Bible? It's let us know that life is difficult. Reality is that some of us in church need to learn how to lament and be honest about our pain. Because we can come in here with this mask on like everything's okay. Knowing that when you left the house this morning, that argument that's been going on for three weeks, it's still there. But yet when you walk in church, you want to put on your Sunday best, hey, we're all good, and then you know what's actually going on. We're not being honest about our pain. We have to learn to recall the things to mind that bring us hope. This is what Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Some of y'all need to start preaching this to yourself. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. See, the writer Jeremiah knows about pain as he looks out at his nation that's in captivity and they're not where they want to be. They're in this place of pain and tribulation, but the things that he's recalling to his mind bring him in the death of his soul hope that although he can't see it doesn't mean that he's not clinging to what God has said amen so what do you call to mind when you're in a season of suffering that gives you hope see church when we build our theology on the floor of our situations we can justify anything especially in times of celebration or suffering we begin to give our sin an exemption celebration on this side. Well, I got the promotion or I'm about to get married. It's my last night and, you know, God will want me to be happy and kind of go all out. I won't get to be here again. He's like, no, I want you to be obedient. And then on the other side, when it comes to suffering, we're like, well, you know, I'm just stuck. I'm in a pit. God will understand. I just want to feel something so I can sleep with them or I can, I can drink that till I can't Forget, I'll just forget it all. God will understand. And the reality is that he wants us to be obedient because he understands that life is difficult and the things that we have the tendency to turn to don't bring us out of that pit. No, it leads us further and further and further into our brokenness. So we navigate pain and suffering by going further into the depth of our own depravity. What do you recall to mind that brings you hope? Some of us need to preach to ourselves, to remind ourselves that God is in control, that he's, the over, that he's the only one who's overcome this fallen, broken world, that this life is not all there is. 
that there's something else on the other side of our pain. And that's the good news about the gospel. The good news about the gospel is that although you feel like you can't get up this mountain on your own, that God said, hey, I know you can't get up this mountain by your own. So he came down from heaven, stepped with us in the valley, said, I'll put you on my shoulders and I'll carry you up. And that's what we need to begin to do is to preach that truth to ourselves so that we can know how to navigate the pains of this life. In order to get there, I had to position myself around people who would remind me of the faithfulness of God. I remember there was a time when I was in college, when I was really in the depth of my grief. I wouldn't get out of bed. Hey, I'm not going to try anymore. I'm just going to give up. My boys, they walked into the room. They said, hey, all right, Tashawn, let's go. I'm like, where are we going? We're going to go play some basketball. Let's go. No, I'm not playing basketball. They said, we're not asking. Let's go. Okay. Got up. I remember hit the gym floor. My friend John is up top, top of the key, checks it to me. John, I really don't feel like playing basketball today. Give the ball back to him. Deshaun, he leans over and he looks at me. He says, I know you feel that you cannot press on, but let me remind you of the God that you serve. Let me ask you, church, do you have a John in your life that can remind you of the God you serve in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your trial? He began to speak truth into my life on the basketball floor as tears are running down my face. He said, Tashawn, remember that your strength doesn't come from you. Your strength comes from the Lord. Tashawn, remember that you are a masterpiece created by God for good works. And here's the reality, that as long as you've got breath in your body, he's not done. He's not done with you. That you can't give up. That when you feel like you can't press on, you can because he did. Do you have a John in your life that can remind you of the faithfulness of God? We played, we cried, and I grieved, and we pressed on together. I learned this concept that Christ may not change your circumstance, but he can change you in your circumstance. That Christ may not change your circumstance, but he can change you. That's called perspective. That God can give you a new perspective. That's why Romans 12 and verse 2, we need to know our word. says, don't be conformed, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. That in this world, we're going to navigate some things. But guess what? As we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, we're reminded of Romans 8, 28, which says that God will work this situation out for his good, for his glory. Shortly after my girlfriend passed away, my aunt shared something with me that I haven't forgotten. See, my aunt had really navigated some wounds in this life. And the wounds had now become her scars. That now she's sharing with me that will help lead me to a better place. This is why it's important to share our story. But she said this to Sean, the things that you go through in life they're not about you. You cannot take them personally. Because if you do, she said, you're going to be an old, mean, grumpy person. Why? 
Because you've made life all about you and what you've gone through. And it's not about you. It's about Christ in you. That when we go through trial, it's an opportunity to point people to the truth. What's the truth? That this life isn't all there is. That there is something else on the other side. That here's the reality that with Christ, you can climb that mountain and you will look back and you'll see great is his faithfulness. He's faithful. Come on, somebody. He is faithful. Surely, surely at this point, I have believed that. So as life went on and I grieved losing my girlfriend, the floor of my situation changed again. This time is going back up. Why? Because I met this girl. And yes, we still look as young as we used to. Come on. <laughs> One of the things that I love about Marissa is that she has had to navigate some wounds that have now become scars in her life. And she let those scars reveal the reality of her Savior. She's beautiful on the inside, and now she has this quiet but yet fierce strength. I'm like, come on. We met on a June night. It was June. I wrote that down so I didn't forget. <laughs> I proposed to her that same year in November. And then 2016 hits. It's a big year. 2016 is an exciting year. In June of 2016, I got hired right here at Abundant Life. And then in July of 2016, something incredible happened. I got to leave one week. That's not the incredible thing that happened, okay? But I got to leave one week to go marry the love of my life. Here's a picture of our wedding day. We're sitting there standing at the altar. If you look closely down there, you can see Stephen Branch. Stephen, this photo did no favors for you. I'm so sorry. It's a good angle for us, but brother, good thing we love each other, right? Yeah. So Stephen officiated our wedding, and our wedding was epic, y'all. It was a good day. We were dancing. We love to dance. My wife and I were big, big dancers. And so we believe in having fun. Christ invented it. We can have, we can dance. Okay, it's okay. Says the youth pastor, right? Um, so I'm dancing and I'm singing to my wife. We're having a good time. And outside of that moment, one of the most special moments for me was this picture. This is mama. Now the thing I wouldn't do for mama, mama's queen. And my mama and I, come on. We always loved dancing together. When we were young, she would say, hey, boys, come on, dance with us. Dance with me. My brother, he wouldn't dance with her because he was too cool. But not me. I got up there and I danced with my mama and we're having a good time. If you look at my face, you'll see some wrinkles because I'm not just singing with my mom. I'm sorry, I'm not just dancing with my mom, I'm singing to my mom. Boys to Men, a song from Mama. I'm looking at her and I say, Mama, you know I love you. 
And she said, yes, baby, I know, I know. I said, no, no, no. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. I'm singing to my mom. She said, I know, baby, I know. In church, I'm not trying to convince you that I love my mother. What I'm trying to show you is what made November 14th 2016, the worst day of my life. I got a call to go check on my mother, get in my car, drive home. I've been here before and I'm driving home and I remember going inside of her house and I just knew that this was different. Go up the stairs, turn the corner and there I found my mother dead. She was lifeless on her floor. Death by suicide. Worst day in my life. Church, when we lose something, it can cause us to do all kinds of things. To want to give up on the plan that God has for us. And I've come here today to let you know you can't give up. But I've come here today to be honest about my response. And hopefully in my response, it will teach you something about how God is going to see you through this situation. The first way I wanted to respond was I wanted to quit my job. I wanted to quit my job. I'm asking myself this question. How can God use me? No way. I'm too broken. I'm too hurt. I'm done. But then that's the beauty of our God. Because he takes our brokenness and he turns it into a thing of beauty. He takes the things that happen in this life, the messes, and he turns them into a message, a message of his faithfulness, a message that points people back to him. And he says, hey, if you would just trust me with this situation, I'll see you through. This life is not all there is. Be reminded that I've overcome. Be reminded that when you can't get out of the valley, that I'll walk with you right there. And then I'll carry you up and I'll take you to the place that you need to be. I wasn't called to this ministry because I was qualified, but because he is It's Christ in you. So that's why you can't give up. The second thing I thought, you know what? I'm going to move away. I'm going to start over. Pretend like it doesn't exist. Stiff arm pain. This response comes from an unhealthy place because I wanted to create a reality where pain didn't exist. I had to learn this concept that the healthiest people in life learn how to live in a world where pain exists. The healthiest people learn how to live in a world where pain exists. They don't run from it because in running, it creates this unhealth. It's unhealthy to pretend something doesn't exist when it does. And we can't do that with pain. It's why it's healthy to let people know that you're hurting. Not so that you can stay there, so that you can be encouraged and reminded of the hope that you have in Christ. For me, when my mom passed, I remember sitting in the living room many times of Les and Kristen Norman. 
They're members of our church. They didn't know me, but they invited me into their home, and they sat with me right there in the pain. They said, your burden is going to be ours. They met me right there. Do you have any lesson, Christians, in your life? Because life is difficult. And this is why we need the body of Christ. Community, people need people. It's not just a core value. It's a lifeline, y'all. We can't do this on our own. We need people who say, I understand that you're going through the fire, but I love you enough to step right in there with you. Do you have anybody in your life who can help you navigate the trial of this life? The third thing that I thought was I'm going to leave my wife. I'm calling it quits. It's over. You ever been there where you just say, you know what? No more. No more. See, for me, I thought to myself, why should I go down this road again? Everyone that I love dies. Why would I go down this road again? I'm sitting in a counseling session right over here, our counseling center. Why would I want to go down this road again? We said, hey, you know what, Tashawn? The price to love is pain. Okay, all right. If that's the price, I won't pay it. I'm done. If this is the price, if pain is the price, I won't love. It's over. I'll spare my heart. He says, okay. Well, I have a question. What's your question? Did you love your mother? <laughs> yeah. Not a thing I wouldn't do for mama. I love mama. Does she love you? Yeah. We had a special relationship. Would you change anything? I say, yeah. I would have loved her harder. I wouldn't have argued so much over stuff that didn't matter. I would have gone back, said, hey, mom, I see you. I'm with you. You're not alone. I would have done that better. I would have thanked her for raising my brother and I to know and love Jesus. It's the greatest gift that she could have given us, the love of Christ. I would have done that better. I would have loved her harder. He says, well, then you were going to feel more pain. So I have to learn to accept pain. And that's why we got to go back to the word. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Let me tell you, that's a promise. Some of us need to remember that in this life we're going to go through suffering and loss. That's true. Tribulation and trial are a part of this life. But let me tell you what's also true. Jesus said that you can be of good cheer because he's overcome. That he got up out of the grave. That's true. It's real. You can place your faith in Jesus because he's alive. Jesus would have spoke these words in John 16 to his guys right before he went to the cross. And then after they see him hanging there on the tree, 
many abandoned the call. They forgot. They forgot the words that he spoke, that he was going to die. But he said, hey, I want you to remember that I've overcome. And I need to let you know this morning that because he overcame, so can you. This is why on days like today, it's so important to take communion so that we can remember the sacrifice of Christ that he made for us. But before we do, I want to finish my statement. Don't let your theology of the character of God be built on the floor of your situation, but on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Because he won't fail. He's never failed. He can't fail. He's Alpha. He's Omega. Are you beginning to worship him right now? He's the beginning. He's the end. He's conquered death. He rose from the grave. He got up. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll meet you in that valley. He'll carry you on the cross. He'll carry you up the mountain. Jesus got you. You don't have to give up. You can press on because he did. Christ sees you. You're not alone. You're not alone. This is why we worship him this morning. Praise his name. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You may begin to see revival break out in your situation if you would just praise him in the midst of the storm. Praise him when you can't see him. Praise his name, church. This is how we do it. Some of us need to preach to ourselves. It's what I have to do to get out of bed some days. Preach to myself. Remind myself of who God is. So as we go into this time of response, we're going to declare that Christ is our firm foundation. And then I'm going to lead us in a time of communion. Let me pray for you. Father, we worship you. We magnify you. Lord, even when we can't see it, we know that you're faithful, that you're good. Father, I pray for those in this room who are hurting, who are navigating loss, who don't see a way out, whether you would meet them in the valley, whether you would put them on your shoulders and that you would carry them up. Father, we're thankful that you're the firm foundation, the rock on which we stand. So when everything around us is chaotic, it doesn't make sense that you've already seen it. You're not faced. So Father, because of that, we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship him, church. Let's worship his name. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.